I have that knowing that she's going to be okay and everything's going to come out all right. But we did have that conversation. If if it did go the other way, like her mother, I can get through it because I know her mother's on the other side if something does happen. And I'm here for her on this side. So, but we know we're going to get through it, but we're strong. Welcome to another episode of Advocates in Action, a podcast created by the National Patient Advocate Foundation, a nonprofit that develops initiatives promoting equitable access to affordable quality health care through policy action and partnerships. I'm your host, Ashley Freeman, and welcome to season eight, where we get the opportunity to share with you about the journey we've been on this year for shared decision making at critical points and a long illness journey, a project of Patient Advocate Foundation and National Patient Advocate Foundation, made possible in part by support from the Danaher Foundation. Thank you all so much for joining me today. You all were an impactful family that we met when we were in Richmond, and you all had your matching t-shirts. Our whole team was just amazed by the unity, right? And by the support, the love that's evident between all of you. Take a couple of minutes and and share with the people what your background is and and why you were invited to the, the Richmond workshop and why you all decided to come together. My name is Desiree. First, thank you for you know, thinking about us to be on this podcast. I think it's important to share our story to hopefully help somebody else who's going through the same thing. First, I'll start off. My mom actually had breast cancer and I was her primary caregiver. And I actually was going to college at the time that she was diagnosed back in 2013. So I actually left school to help her out and was her primary caregiver. That was really, really hard to navigate. And she ended up passing away in 2017 uh, from breast cancer and the reoccurrence and everything. So that was very hard. And then just five short years later, back in October of 2022, I actually found a lump. And of course, like it brings me right back to what my mom went through. So I immediately went to the doctor and got it checked out. And it turned out it was breast cancer. It was very scary for me to navigate. But luckily, I have the family that I do to help me out. They were uh, a big part of why I got through that. And I don't know if I could have done it without y'all. So I really appreciate them. I was going to a doctor in Mechanicsville area and they immediately referred me to VCU Massey. And they were just amazing. I had Dr. Hackney as my oncologist and she made me feel like so cared for and she was like on everything. This week you have to get this MRI done. Not even a month later, later I was like starting treatment already. So it's very good um, how fast they were and how quick they were to get me on treatment. Because I feel like that waiting period from knowing you have breast cancer to actually getting the treatment was like the worst time. Your anxiety is so high and you're like, this cancer is like growing inside me. I want to get it out of me, you know? So she had told me about the workshop and recommended me go. So I was like, yes, I want to go. I want to hear everybody's story and hopefully their stories and my stories together can help other people and how they navigate and treating other women and men who are diagnosed with cancer. It's Zach. I'm a caretaker for Desiree. Basically, I'm just here to make life a little easier for her. Whenever she needs something, try to be here. She was diagnosed back in October. We just started dating three, four months we were dating. Yeah. And we got the bad news. One of those hard things of if I need to stay or not in any case, but to run. But that was not the case at all. Just stuck around, make life easier, try to keep everything happy 
He was awesome. I was so sick some days and he would be the one to take the trash out or take care of the dogs. So he would come over and help me manage those things and be there to cook dinner and all that good stuff. That was a huge help when I was going through the chemotherapy and when I had my surgery. So I did have a bilateral mastectomy because I didn't want to risk, you know, it coming back and on the other side. So I was just like, take them all. It was just a blessing to have Zach there to help me because I don't know if I could have done it living on my own. I would probably had to move back to my dad's house. <laughs> but <laughs> Hello, this is Greg, Desiree's father. When Desiree was first diagnosed in Mechanicsville, Virginia here at the Women's for Pavilion, no. the young lady that um, was giving her the, the message that she had cancer. And she said, if it was my daughter, I would recommend Dr. Hackney. We were fortunate to get Dr. Hackney. And the, and the young lady was so nice. She says, if you cannot get in touch with them, sometimes it is hard to get in touch with them. I will give you the personal number. I will make sure you get in touch with them. So we were so blessed to have a great team. Cancer's affected me ever since I was 11 years old. My grandmother, which was, was just as close to me as my parents, lived behind me. So I spent more time at my grandmother's house than I did my parents. My dad had a shotgun at my grandmother's house and she'd let me hold it made me feel like a little man and she said when you turn 12 you're going to have that gun because that belonged to your dad and my dad wanted to sell it when he was 16 because when he met my mom he wanted to take her out on a date he was going to sell the gun and my grandmother said i'm gonna buy it from you but you're not getting it back so she held that gun for me until i turned 12. well my grandmother ended up passing when i was 11. my grandmother fought cancer she died in 1979 so that was the start of it for me and then my first wife uh, was diagnosed with breast cancer, which we were divorced, but we were still still really close. And, you know, what kind of luck do I have? And then also my daughter gets diagnosed with it. It's really brought the family together. We've always been a close family anyway, but it's brought my, my daughter closer to the Lord. He has shown her signs that her mother is still close and gives her signs that she's with her. So we've been very blessed. And we want to thank Massey again for all their hard work and for their quickness, they jumped on this. And I'll let my beautiful wife, Holly, chime in. I wanted to be here to support Desiree. I know how hard it is on her and not having her mother with her to go through this. I wanted to make sure that I was there as much as possible just to support her and let her know how much I love her. And that's it. The love between you all is just so evident. And it's clear why you were able to navigate through this because you have an amazing support team. The frustrating part is the healthcare system. They kind of overlook young people. Cancer has no age. Just the, the year prior, I was trying to get imaging done and then I get diagnosed with cancer. I know other young women who are younger than 30 who have also been diagnosed with breast cancer as well recently. I loved what you said earlier about cancer has no age and that yeah. you had tried to get imaging done. And so the reason why you were seeking to get imaging done was because of your mom's history. So even with the insurance company and everyone knowing that your mom had breast cancer, it still wasn't getting approved? A year prior to this, I had gone to Greg and Desiree and said, we should look into seeing if Desiree could get set up to have a mammogram done, especially because of what her mother went through. and. So we got her scheduled to do a yearly with the doctor. And when I had called the doctor's office, they said that they didn't think that she would be able to get approved to have a mammogram done because of her age. I actually called her insurance company myself and discussed it 
in depth with them and explained everything Mm -hmm. her mom had gone through. And they indicated that regardless of her mother's condition, because her mother was originally diagnosed at 45, that they would only approve Desiree 10 years prior to that. And I just think that's ridiculous. The insurance companies do need to do a better job with this, especially when there's a family history and given the extent of what the the mother went through in this case with it metastasizing. I, I get really frustrated when I think about it because had she been approved a year prior, we may not be in the same situation right now. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that is so frustrating knowing that you were doing the best you can. You were being as proactive as you can, but mm-hmm. still you all ran up against this wall of barriers to accessing quality care. So that's really unfortunate that that was the journey, but we are on the other side of that. You're healthy. You finished your last treatment. And like you said, you're walking in faith. So I truly believe that it is all a part of your story and your journey to be able to advocate and help young people. There is a gene test that you can do. It's a blood test, which will see if you had the BRCA one or two. It will let you know if you're more prone to cancer. If you do have the the BRCA gene, the insurance will cover you actually to get a bilateral mastectomy or get imaging done. But in my case, I didn't have any of the genes that makes me prone for breast cancer. So I couldn't get the imaging. So that is another option for younger people. Unfortunately, in my case, it didn't help me. Thank you for sharing that resource. I'm sure there are people who can take advantage of that test and that can help them. I know your dad mentioned how this journey really brought you all together. You all were tight already, but this really added to the cohesiveness of the family. In some other locations that we did this workshop in, we heard a lot about family medical secrets and people being afraid to share and afraid to communicate after a diagnosis like this. But you all really use this as an opportunity to band together and be on one accord. And so share a little bit about what were some of those things that helped you all to come together? What were some some of the beauty that came from this journey for you all as a family? I know my dad mentioned how it has brought me closer to the Lord. I was never really a religious person. It it is a big part of my story. After I diagnosed, I had so much anxiety. I couldn't do it alone. So I gave my life to the Lord and things really changed for me. I had just switched jobs a month prior to my diagnosis and I didn't qualify for short-term disability or pay time. I was getting chemo and everything like that, which I was going to have to be off for and not having paid time off was just like so hard for me. Of course, my family members helped, but I'm such an independent woman that I I hated taking money from them. So I prayed a lot about it. And then uh, a couple months after my diagnosis, I was actually blessed with a donation from a church to help me navigate medical bills and time off that donation check was the exact same numbers of the date that my mom passed. That was a wake up call. Like, wow, he's really giving me signs. He's really here for me. And it's just, it's just amazing. And it's really helped with my anxiety and everything. I finished my treatment this past Tuesday and I have an upcoming bone scan, which they saw like a shadow in the CT or something. At first I was like, oh man, it, the cancer's back. But now I'm tra- putting my faith in the Lord and I trust him and whatever he does, no matter what the results are, I know I'm going to be okay. Yeah. So my dad really has been there a lot because he 
does side work all the time. So he has an open availability schedule. My appointments were during the work week. So I'm very blessed that he was able to go with me because it is a lot easier uh, to go with somebody because we live an hour and some change away from Richmond where I'm getting, where I was getting treatment at. So it was nice to have him be able to be there with me to have a second year to, for what the doctors are saying. And when I first got diagnosed, Holly, she actually went with me and she was like taking notes and everything because it was just a, a whole lot of information being thrown at you at once. You go into the first appointment ever meeting your oncologist, your surgeon, the social worker, and they give you all this information. And Zach went a few times, but he works full time during the week. So it was hard for Zach to get there and Holly too. I'm very thankful that they were able to like all come together to help me out. My stepdad actually played a big part in helping me as well. He would call me to check on me and everything like that. He came to my surgery and made the travel to be there. And also have a sister too. She lives in Maryland and she was, she was there as well. Like as soon as I got diagnosed, you know, she was on the way here. And my best friend, Lisa, who's from Maryland as well, they came down the, the night that I was diagnosed and stay with me like all weekend. I just want to add a little something just to let everybody know how yeah. beautiful my daughter is. When she first was diagnosed with cancer, uh, we were together and, and um, we got the news and we were both were crying together. And I said, Desiree, everything's going to be all right. She wasn't crying because she had cancer. She wasn't worried about her. She was worried about me. She said, Dad, what's going to happen to you if something happens to me? I was like, look how big her heart is. So she made me cry more. On her last chemo sessions last week, Desiree had put 10 bags together. And in each bag, she had put a separate little Bible. And she put a copy of her poem she wrote and money in, in the card. And she handed it out to patients in there. She wanted to give back. Thanks for sharing, Greg. That goes to one of my next questions about advocacy and giving back, especially being so young. There's so many stereotypes about younger generations and they're so self-centered, but you defy all of those. It's very powerful when someone can use their test and the things that, that come to them in their trials as a testimony to help others. So I, I really admire that about you and, and thank you for sharing that. Thank you. I just want to help other people and let them know that they're not alone. You're welcome. I have a question for Zach. Was this your first time personally knowing someone who had cancer? Yeah, this was the very first time I ever really got the big, big C word thrown at me. Nobody in my family ever had that. It was a big surprise. That also says a lot about your character to... Stand up to that challenge and hold Desiree's hand being so early on in your relationship, because at the end of the day, everyone has choices to make and you chose to stay. How have you changed since everything? Yeah. I've changed a lot. Like Desiree said, she found the Lord and her finding the Lord has brought me to find the Lord as well. We go to church every Sunday. And also it's just made me a bigger person caring for people because I just thought about myself when I was growing up. Greg, how has this journey been for you? How have you been able to remain a positive thinker? You know, after your experience with your grandmother um, and your first wife, how were you able to put your faith at the center of this journey for Desiree and be that person that she can lean on in the midst of you needing someone to lean on as well? And knowing that she's going to be okay and everything's going to come out all right. 
But we did have that conversation. If if it did go the other way, like her mother, I can get through it because I know her mother's on the other side if something does happen. And I'm here for her on this side. So, but we know we're going to get through it. But we're strong. I love that. Desiree, what were some of the decisions that you've had to make <laughs> along the way about your care and treatment? Were there different options and things that you had to, to navigate? Well, I basically put all my trust in my oncologist. I want to be aggressive with it. So she put me on the regimen of TCHP, which is Taxol, Carboplatin, Herceptin, and Pergetta. So I would do six rounds of that. It was once every three weeks. And then after that, I would just do the Herceptin, Pergetta. It was a total of 17 rounds of all, all of them. So I just finished up. So it was like over a year's worth of treatments. Then of course I had my surgery yeah. and I still have another surgery to go through. So I knew other women who have had the breast cancer like me this year who are young. And then after their treatments, they got like full body images to make sure everything was good. And they were cancer free pretty much. So I mentioned to my oncologist, how I pretty much advocated for myself and told her these other people are getting images. Why can't I get images like after all my treatments are done before I get my port out? So she got me in for a CT scan and that's when, you know, the shadow appeared. But now I have a full body bone scan coming up and hopefully it'll come up clear and it's nothing. But either way, like my dad said, it's going to be okay either way. And I'm ready to do what I need to do here on earth. And, and for you to say that you put your trust in your oncologist, it clearly means that you all have an amazing relationship. So how, how has your oncologist been able to really build that trust with you and make you feel seen and heard to the level where you feel confident to truly partner with her? People always talk highly of her as well. And plus, I feel like she's very genuine and she like relates not on only on a doctor level, but a relationship kind of level. It's like, hey, give me a hug. I miss you. And we went to the workshop together. She actually sat beside me and we had lunch together at the workshop. She's always looking for different things that I might be interested in to give back. Because when mm -hmm. you're going through this, like you said, all mm -hmm. the different emotions that you can feel throughout it. But for you to feel like, okay, I have a team who has my back. <laughs> I feel like that is what gives you that confidence to be so aggressive and to mm -hmm. have so much faith is because yes, you have God, you have your family, but your healthcare team also has your back. Yes. And they were amazing. And I'm, I'm so thankful that I had the team that I did like with the first meeting with talking about your cancer with who's going to be treating you. They have everybody there. They have your surgeon, they have your oncologist. And I don't think everybody does that. That was very nice to meet everybody who's going to be taking care of you right after being diagnosed. For anyone who is listening to this podcast and either might be in a similar situation as a newly diagnosed young person with cancer or know someone, what, what word of advice would, would you pass along? I would just let them know that they're not alone and that there's so many different groups that you can be a part of. I'm a part of here for the girls. Just have faith in whatever makes you feel, feel better about your situation. Trust in that and, you know, do that. Be an advocate for yourself. If you feel like something's wrong, just keep trying, get a second opinion. I know a young girl who had found a lump and their doctor let it stay in her for like three months before they even got an ultrasound done on it. And it was cancer because they said that she was too young. 
So just be an advocate for yourself. A lot of people out there don't ask enough questions. And when it comes to your health, you do have to look out for number one. If you go somewhere and you're not getting the answers you're looking for or you're questioning what the doctor says, and if you're still not in agreement, then get a second opinion. And also similar advice for providers, for them to listen and truly hear their patients, no matter what their age is. Because the common theme that I'm hearing in a lot of what you all have said is that young people are being overlooked and not listened to, dismissed to some degree. There should be more preventative measures taken. The insurance companies could actually potentially save themselves more money in the long term if they did more preventative maintenance up front. And, And it could potentially save individuals from having to go through as much as they're going through if they can catch things sooner. I work with a lady right now and um, she has full custody of her granddaughter and she's still 17 and she's going in for surgery this Friday. She's having surgery for lumps in both breasts to have them removed because they believe it's cancer. So it just goes to show it doesn't matter how old you are. I'm Ashley Freeman, and thanks for listening to this episode of Advocates in Action. If you haven't yet, please subscribe, review, and share this podcast. Your support is greatly appreciated. We enjoy connecting with our listeners, so please visit our website at npaf.org podcast for show notes, resources, and ways to engage with us on social media. Thanks for listening.